0: Welcome back to Winning at Work. It's season three, the podcast for the food and beverage and CPG world. I'm Jennifer Lee, Tony's new marketing sidekick and creative guru. I'll attempt to keep him on track as we discover the ideas and strategies behind all these different veteran special brands.
1: Oh, good luck keeping me on track. But I am really stoked to have you on the team, Jennifer, your background in marketing and SEO and socials. We are going to have so much fun this year. We're going to be discovering the new brands here in 2023. It's all about functional, good for you, lifestyle brands, those are trending, those are the products that are gaining market share and really pulling away from those old legacy brands. We're going to have each and every one of those brands down on the podcast to talk to us, to share their ideas, their inspiration, so you, the entrepreneur, so you, the food and beverage and CPG professional can take these new ideas in and incorporate them into your business and into your life.
0: Oh my gosh, Tony, I'm seriously so excited. I feel like I learn so much just from listening to older episodes.
1: Well, that's why we're here. And if this is your first time here, I would recommend, look, go back, take the five episode challenge, pick a brand, pick a CEO, an entrepreneur, dive in, listen to what it is that they're teaching us. If you love the content, subscribe. We hope you're along with us for the journey each and every week.
0: Hey, it's Jennifer. We get it everyone hates hiring. Inspired by his guest, Tony created a novel talent acquisition program that attracts the hidden candidate market, the 70% of people that are not actively applying to jobs. Click on the attract link in the show notes to watch a demo.
1: Welcome to Winning at Work, everybody. I've got Matt Kovacs here today. How are you, Matt? Doing all right, happy to be here. It's, it, seems, it seems like today I've had IT issue after IT issue. Mercury's in retrograde, that's why. <laughs> Was it, is that a movie too, I think? It's everything, yes. Well, we also have Carla King. She's the head of marketing for Mary's Gone Crackers. Carla, welcome.
0: Thank you. Thanks for having me.
1: You guys are just going to have to bear with me. I think my voice is sounding tired. Finally, I have an opportunity to sit back And let Matt do the heavy lifting today.
2: Thank you again. Yeah, we've done this a handful of times now. So yeah, it works well. And it's been um, fun to connect, obviously, with clients and other friends in the industry just to, uh, again, tell stories and, um, again, enlighten people along the way. So I thought, Carla, you'd be a fun guest. And obviously, it's a fun brand. And we've worked together for a long time and wanted to give you the opportunity. So thank you. Thank you. So you guys are, so you guys have a, a business we, relationship um, at some point. We do, here. yes. We are engaged, if you will. Yeah, it's been <laughs> uh, the pandemic and all that stuff along it. Have, like, Mary's is a client, I think, going on about five years now in general. And um, it's been a fun ride from, um, obviously, I've been to the factory up in Reno all the way through Pandemic Fund and now, you know, trade shows and really, you know, launching line extensions. So yeah, it's, um, there's a lot there. Carla, I love the name
1: Mary's Gone Crackers. What's the story? It is a great story, actually.
0: Well, the company was founded by Mary Walden, so hence Mary. What few people know is that she was a psychotherapist by trade before she was diagnosed as celiac. And, you know, back at the day when she was diagnosed, there wasn't a whole lot at retail or restaurants. So she went into her kitchen and created the cracker. Um, she started sharing, got positive reviews, um, very enthusiastically was told you need to market these. Um, so she went into her women's peer group of therapists and said, I'm starting a brand. What should I call it? And somebody spoke up, Mary's gone crackers and it stuck. (laughs) So that's where we are.
2: And it's, you know, from a PR standpoint, I think what's interesting is, um, you know, the name, it's very memorable. And it's also yeah. something that people, um, you know, every once in a while, like once, maybe every two years, someone will complain like, oh, you're being mean to, you know, the mental health issue. But the the community at large, when you see these things get posted, people jump in and say, no, it's it's poking fun at, you know, the industry, the crackers, the food, the, you know, those types of things. So I, I think it's really embraced within the um you know the the healthy living uh you know lifestyle and the fact that when we first started one of our first charges were to take this gluten-free niche thing and it's not niche anymore it's a lifestyle it's part of the the lexicon now of people looking at different choices and and really enlightening that and the mary's name brings that to life as well and and carla when you guys talk to again retailers buyers etc i feel like there is the um Sort of warm and fuzzy, you know, everyone sort of embraces the brand, you know. But but what are some of the challenges that you guys face as you you know, look to obviously the competition within the cracker aisle now is is so intense and oh, immense. But yeah, yeah. You know, some of those war stories are always fun.
0: You know, we started out as a better for you cracker, um, something that was specifically she targeted and and went to celiac groups, and then you know as it's taken on, it's it's really gone into that better for you space, which was very small at the time. And now you see, I mean, probably in the last decade, we saw in even the big names, the Nabisco's, the Pepsi, Frito-Lay, trying to get into that healthier space because people are much more concerned about their longevity and know that what they eat is a result, you know, directly ties to their health. Um, so we've we seen that space grow exponentially in the last decade, and it's continuing to grow, especially with the pandemic, which, you know, taught us that you can work from home. Um, but that meant oh, you were eating more at home and you were snacking more at home. And while people initially, when we were at home, went for comfort foods, they were like, Oh, that can't last. That I can't be eating, you know, cookies and and chips, you know, all throughout the day. So they they whoa, turn whoa, you can't? to no.
1: <laughs> that might explain a few things when I get on my bike. <laughs> I'm slowing down.
0: Yes, but you know, you can turn to um, Mary's Gone yeah. Crackers. There's other brands in that space as well because still at the end of the day nobody's gonna buy your product they might buy it once but if it doesn't taste good they're not buying it again um, so we had to bring flavor to the to the category as well um, and we've done that we've and we've you know started out with the seeded crackers the original and the super seed um, which are really good and great but we hear a lot that people are like, They're great, but I need to eat them with something, whether it be cheese, whether it be hummus, or something like that. So we've branched out into um, gluten-free flour blends and created real thin crackers. And we've, you know, more recently have the sweet side of things with Mary's Gone Cookies, um, Graham Style Snacks. I love that. That's so cute. (laughs) We've really we've. You know, one of the things that we've done going back to the name a little bit is just really leaned into it, um, to show the passion that we have for the brand, to show the passion that we have for healthy, crispy, crunchy snacks. Um, so we went a little kooky with that. Um, and even later, more recent, I should say not later, um, is Mary's Gone Cheesy, um, so it, it's been fun. It's been a fun time to create new things as well as lean into our brand personality.
1: What is your general uh, point of distribution? Are you combination retail and DTC? What's and maybe what are some of the different marketing strategies you're finding you have to use to get those new customers?
0: That's been one of our cha- That's been my challenge since I joined the company three and a half well, that's years. That's why ago. I asked. The first part was really relatively easy in that we identified who our consumer was. And our consumer at that time was, is, and probably still the bulk of, is um, boomers and Xers. So on the older side of the demographic. um, And so we're like, well, we need to, in order to grow, we need to expand. Um, And so we didn't really position ourselves as the gluten-free solution, but just we positioned ourselves as a better for you um, and started doing our marketing efforts toward a younger audience, starting with the millennials and working to Gen Z. Um, I know I have actually a Gen A at home, what they call Alpha. Um, He's nine, um, but he's really... You know, he loves the cheesy, he loves the cookies. So we know that we need to advertise to those markets, those younger um, generations, as well as we need to create products that those generations are going to eat. Um, So, and it's nice because the millennials and Gen Z's of the world, as they're at home, they do snack. And in fact, they don't necessarily like to cook. So they're snacking. Unless they have kids and you know traditional family, but a lot of them have done away with traditional approaches and they snack for meals, um, and we fit right into. Oh my that. god,
1: that is so true. I was, I was literally, <laughs> I stopped in. Matt, this is crazy. I literally stopped into one of my uh, teammates' office, and she had all these snacks piled on her desk, and I, was, <laughs> I looked at her, and I went, she could tell I was like mortified it's like lunchtime she's like this is all i do she's like I literally snap i know like that.
0: Literally- <laughs> yep and then the other thing is our marketing efforts really weren't necessarily reaching those consumers so we dialed up on you know where they are which is digital spaces and a lot of times it's phones so that's that's where we've headed um and not necessarily your traditional advertising but more youtube um We do definitely social, um, but we're about to launch on TikTok. Um, So we're heading to where those consumers are.
1: Right. So you've already got the boomers and that crowd. Now you've got to go because you know they're not hanging out on TikTok. No. I mean, maybe. maybe. Some. Maybe they're being drugged into it by their. Yeah. (laughs) But that's not their normal kind of normal place to go you never I think know well i think the challenge when you get into those other forms of of media too is just you know how do you track the data you know how do you know it's being effective and i think that's the big kind of question mark it's easy it's easy to spend it's easy to oh, maybe yeah. get the clicks yep. but then you don't always get that retail data back do you
0: that's absolutely right so there there are a few tools out there in the trade there's companies such as numerator who actually tracks and gamifies purchases. So you're getting that information. Um,
1: wait, what is that called again?
0: It's called numerator.
1: Numerator. Yeah. We're, okay. you
0: know, we're just exploring it at the moment, but it, it seems to be an extremely good tool in that it, it tracks purchases, both, you know, regular brick and mortar as well as, um, online. So it's really omnichannel channel Um, And it's tracking and it's tracking who's buying it and it's tracking, is it working? Um, So it's kind of exciting. That's the thing about digital and being online in that space. I know there's a lot of, you know, government reaction to TikTok of they're giving too much information. You know, the horse is already out of the barn on that one. (laughs) We've already given our stuff when I, say something in my kitchen and my Alexa and all of a sudden I see that ad online when I go to my that email, is crazy. I've already given that up.
2: <laughs> I think the other thing that's interesting with the brand, again, as it's grown is I think, and it's back to the point, it's the small and mightiness. I think that's another oh. element to maybe give some perspective as to the size of the team and just oh. Mary's, uh, <laughs>
0: how
2: you're able to do it. Cause again, I think it's a huge accomplishment.
0: Thank you. I appreciate that. Um, we are small. We're small um, in the fact that I think there's a hundred and twenty or so employees, and that bulk of those employees are actually making the crackers. They're out in the plant doing the work. Um, I have a team of three. Um, so I have myself as the director, and I have two brand managers. One that focuses on the packaging, social, you know, outward facing, and the other one that focuses on the analysis and the web and, and econ. And that's it. <laughs> and I'm so fortunate to have that. Um, but the next biggest team is our sales team. Um, who's out there talking to all the retailers and, and whatnot. So um, we are small, but we have a really good team of, you know, f- you know, all these CPG experiences um, from the likes of, Clorox and Del Monte and Smucker and Kellogg and Campbell's. And we have all of that bringing to the table as well as some Frito-Lay and whatnot in there. So, but we're pretty small. We're a $50 million or so brand. Um, We're hoping to grow um, and we want to be more than a brand. We want to be a snack company. Um, So that's our outlook. Um, The nice thing about being small is you can be a little bit nimble. You can pivot. If things aren't working, you can move a little bit more quickly versus a big behemoth of things. And our plant is in Reno. Uh, we have a huge facility, gluten-free facility, and we have a lot of room to grow there as well, so we can expand as we need to. What
1: what tr- what other trends are you seeing just with consumer sentiments around? food and flavor you've mentioned obviously good for you what are you seeing now because you're also you're looking at brand extension so where, where do you see this thing going
0: we are seeing definitely better for you so which i think has been an ongoing trend um but flavor and not just your typical cheese um but international flavor so we're seeing like I think I just read the other day that, you know, many more Americans are um, seeking out international flavors like Indian or Asian. Um, And then it gets very specific, you know, not just Asian, but Korean or, you know, ramen like Japanese. So they're looking and more accepting of those flavor profiles. Um, They also want desserts um, or that sweet You know, I know I can't eat a pack of Oreos as much as I would love to. Um, (laughs) So I want something that's going to satisfy me and I can feel better about it. Um, I know it might not make me healthy, but it's not going to be as bad for me as if I ate that whole pack of chocolate chip cookies. (laughs) Right. I mean, the
1: the guilt scale is not out of whack. Correct. you you feel like it's a you know it's an indulgence it's not it's not too bad. Yeah. When you're looking at launching a new flavor like you said all these international flavors maybe something that's Korean where do you go to get that initial feedback from customers that you're on the right track do you sample do you try something in retail or do you launch on DTC first what's been most effective?
0: Um right now we haven't done either of those things but we have done um, surveys and worked with, um, companies that reach out and collect, um, information for us. We've done taste testing at, um, universities, um, that pull together, you know, blind taste testing of how does this taste? Do you like it, especially, which is right in our, you know, wheelhouse where we want to focus on younger consumers. And then, um, A lot of it's just been online surveys of, hey, will you participate? And there's incentive to do that. And they give that feedback. So they're solicited based on how they shop, what they eat, how they, you know, what they buy, all of that stuff.
1: So you're doing in-field sampling directly to, that's great. I mean, who doesn't love free? They love to come by with their friends, (laughs) you know.
0: But we've typically done all of that testing pre-launch. Um, so we're trying to, you know, build that story so that we can then, when we're going in, when I send all of that out with my sales team, I can say, Hey, this is, this is what we've tested. This is the results. This is what the consumer wants.
1: Matt, isn't that interesting? Cause we've had other brands that actually will actually innovate with the product. That's actually out on the yeah. shelf, right? Yep. We've, we've had that conversation before that they they do it in the convenience stores actually.
0: Oh, that's awesome.
2: On the fly, yeah, and they can change it again. That's that's like hyper nimble, where you can do that stuff. And
0: we're and, not that hyper nimble, but oh, I would love to. That's that's that would be an amazing goal <laughs> to get there.
2: The other question we had, and, and again, and, and you touched on it, but how did Mary's get to Reno? How as you grow a company and really, oh, yeah. really love it, and I think even the other thing, and, and it was more of a question because I think I heard it was the gluten free the the factory. Yeah. It's like the world's largest gluten free factory, right?
0: It is. It's, it, it's not in the world. It's definitely one of the largest in the country. Um, so Mary actually, she was in Lafayette, California. So the Bay area, um, when she went to start the brand, she had to find a company or a manufacturing facility that could actually make the crackers. Cause it's not your typical, um, manufacturing process. It's actually for the seated line, I should say it's actually patented. Um, so she found a facility up in near, I should say Chico, California when she started. So that, that was the initial plant location. It was actually Gridley, California. Um, she stayed with the company and ran it for, I think about 10 years cause she launched it in 05. Um, and I think she finally sold it to, uh, Canada, which is an international conglomerate it had it um headquartered in Japan. It's the biggest rice cracker company in Japan. Um basically automatic name recognition in that country. And this was their foray into um rice crackers in the US. Um and so they took that and invested into um Mary's at the time I don't know if you if you can do the math and and the economic uh, waves that we had, it was in the Reno area, which I didn't even live here at that time. But um, coming out of the Great Recession, um, Reno was very heavily um, relied on tourism and gambling. <laughs> and, you know, with the recession, it that did not go well. So they decided to branch out and invest and bring people into the Um, area. And so they did a lot of good deals for companies at that time with tax incentives. And one of the things that Reno had or in the area was a lot of land. Um, And so that's, that is what has happened. So the area has grown exponentially, whether it be through manufacturing, Um, you may or may not know that Tesla's gigafactory is not far from here. Um, But a lot of other companies came in for either manufacturing and/or distribution centers. Um, so you know, down the street is Chewy, Amazon, which is wow. all great, but it does yeah. create a little bit of a competition for labor. <laughs> um, so we've we've had some ups and downs in the last several years as those companies have moved in as well. So.
1: Yeah, that definitely helps, right? You got the nice facility, but we're talking about competition for labor. I don't want to talk about competition on the factory floor. I'd rather talk about maybe competition for the, the white collar professional. What have you seen that Mary's Gone Crackers has done to be competitive?
0: The culture is pretty phenomenal. It feels very entrepreneurial, which is one of the things that drew me um, to the role when I took it. Um, it's very... You know, hands-on. Um, but one of the things that probably wasn't as evident when I joined, but quickly became so thanks to COVID, was that, hey, we can work from home and we can work from anywhere. Um, so actually, my team does not live in the area. And I was not recruited into the area I happen to have moved here on my own and then found Mary's or they found me really um and so you know we're all over the country and in fact one of my reports just moved well it's not a permanent move she just moved to Japan and so she works from Japan so we're everywhere um so it's pretty phenomenal and we've made it work and they have committed to that and seen it. So I think that's one of the biggest things in terms of getting, you know, the people on the front side that are out either selling or marketing or, you know, the financials piece of it and whatnot. You don't have to be in the office. You can be in your home office.
2: Cool. So uh, I think your next thing and, and Carla, I did cheat because you are a friend. Uh, I did give you some <laughs> of those rapid fires. So it's not the same uh, on the spot. Oh man, I know Tony's mad, but I have to. I have to take care of my uh, my clients. I can't uh, throw (laughs) them under the bus. But but no, we'll be kind, and because Tony loves to watch people squirm, I do. It's a lot of fun. We've had some good ones too. Well, and I think for these, it's actually more interesting because I think it's a way to look at it beyond you know the the four walls of the um uh you know the office. But the first one, which I always think is a good one to start with, is. What's the best $100 you spent recently? What was it and why? And it does not have to be work-related. So some, some, something you spent on that it was a good investment.
0: My trail running shoes.
2: Oh, that's a good one. All right. Oh, you're How a you? runner.
0: I used to be. Hoping to be soon again.
1: Very nice. The comeback.
2: The comeback shoes. All right. What is one trend that excites you?
0: Flavor, international flavors.
2: What advice would you give your younger self? Be patient. Tell us I'm told that all the time. <laughs> yeah, I know. I know when the, the microphone doesn't work and you're uh, freaking out. <laughs>
1: I'm told, I'm I mean,
2: literally, I'm told that all the time. Just be
1: patient. Be patient. Let things, It'll come. Let things- I mean, but wait, wait, that's a good one. I want to, I want to explore that. Just okay. w- tell me more about that. Cause honestly, I hear that a lot. What does that really mean to you, Carla? When they, when you hear
2: that.
0: Um, it, and it's something that I have learned of late, but it's life will come to you. Let it, let it unfold because you're going to see more of it rather than trying to rush through it or rush to it.
2: I like it. That's a good answer. Yeah. And then last one. Tell us something that's true that almost no one agrees with you on.
0: Oh, I love this one. (laughs) I don't know. I think oftentimes it's when I say I don't know and they don't realize they don't believe me. I use that with my son a lot. I decided as a parent that I would not try to make stuff up. And so I say, I don't know a lot. And he just looks at me like, you have to know. You're the mom.
2: <laughs> That's funny. I should have done that. I, I I made the mistake of tap dancing all the time, and now it's done.
0: <laughs> well, you, you know what? It's harder these days because there's Google. Yeah. I mean, I remember when we first moved to Reno and I didn't know my way around anywhere. So Google Maps was, you know, everything. And after a while, I'd get really proud of myself that I didn't need to use a map. But my son kept telling me, Mom, use Google. Just use Google. (laughs) It's very humbling.
1: (laughs) Well, Carla, thank you so much. And Matt, For coming down and kind of you know, getting us exposed to I I would not call you a small brand at all. If you're fifty million in 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 turn, that is not
0: We are widely distributed, but I I I still think we're small. We have a we have a lot of upside in growth.
1: Well, what is the best way for people to reach out, find the find the brand, discover it or find the retailers near them?
0: Um, We have a store locator on our website. You can also buy, you can use our website for online shopping. Um, But we're in all the major retailers, Whole Foods, Kroger, Safeway, Albertsons, Publix, HEB, Costco, some regions, not all, um, Sprouts.
1: Yeah, so you're really just looking for those consumers to come in and try it.
0: Yeah. 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 Our household penetration is about one and a half percent. So we have like a lot of upside.
1: <laughs> well, that's great. We'll, well it's been fun, fun to talk to you and get to see, and it's been great to see you too again, Matt.
2: Thank you again. Yeah, it was good to have you on, Carla. Appreciate it. And Tony, always a pleasure.
1: Always a pleasure. We'll
0: see Thank you guys you. very soon. Thank you. It was great talking with you guys.